Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. It's time for a special edition of the show today. It's going to be called Knowing Me, Knowing You. Aha! Basically, with the coronavirus running wild all over the world, uh, I, as a Star Wars fan, I want to get to know some other Star Wars fans. Obviously, Star Wars news is sort of on hold at the minute. Production stopped all over Hollywood and all over the film industry. So we're not getting much Star Wars news at the moment. So I'm going to speak to some people I like and some people I know. Uh, and we're going to get into each other, asking each other Star Wars questions. Uh, so the first guest on Knowing Me, Knowing You is Brian Balance. Brian, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. The first guest. Oh, man. You don't know what you signed up for. <laughs> well, this is what I wanted to see. I wanted to be like unpredictable. I wanted to be yeah. crazy. I yeah. want to be fun and sort of that's you all over. I think, yeah. in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> I think you called the right person then. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, those who don't know, for those who don't know, I, I know Brian. We met at Star Wars Celebration um, Orlando. We did. Um, so, we, sort of, we know each other a little bit. We keep in touch on social media. Absolutely. Um, we had a few course, drinks in I'll, Chicago at Celebration. We did indeed, yeah. We had a great time there. We did, we um, did. So we've talked Star Wars quite a bit, but obviously we don't sort of um, live in the UK. Obviously, Brian lives in Florida. That is but, true. Um, so we talk a little bit about social media, but we haven't really, we only really have full in-depth conversations when we've been together. So it's happened like twice. Sure, sure. <laughs> or, or, Makes sense. Like, <laughs> so, so today we're going to get each other, going to get to know each other a lot more. Okay, I'm down. Um, yes, that's all. So... No me, Peter Adams. No new Brian Balance. Yeah. Aha. Aha. Let's go. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start off, off uh, with, so we're going to take in turns to each other five questions. So I'll go first and then you'll ask your first question and ask my second one. Okay. We'll that going along. Sounds good. So we're just going to dive straight in. So my first question. So I pretty much think I know the answer to this, but it's not about the answer. It's about the information about why. So who is your favorite character in all of Star Wars? And why? Ooh, you're good. You're good. Uh, my favorite character is Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, by far, across all Star Wars. Definitely forever. I don't think anyone's ever going to top him for me. Um, why? Uh, a lot of reasons, really. I mean, the main one is probably his like unshakable belief in what he believes in. I think I think that's the thing that sticks out most to me because he's the kind of guy who he he believes so fully that he'll go against everything he's been taught and everything he sees around him. He'll he'll step to his peers uh because he knows what the right thing is. You know, like a you know, one of my favorite scenes is uh when he goes in front of the council and is like you know, this is the chosen one. And like, mm, I don't think so. And he goes, well, if you don't see it, I'll do it. It's like, you know, he just so he'll, he'll step to the council, you know, the head of this order. And then he also fully believes in the force so much so that when he's fighting Darth Maul and he has that moment where they're stuck in between the force fields and he just drops to his knees and centers himself and remeditates. It's almost as if he like surrenders to the force in that moment of like whatever happens, happens and I'm okay with it. Uh, just that there, like that, pure stick to your guns no matter what knowing what you believe and willing to die for that really uh i always found super inspiring even as a kid um and it's something i try to uh i try to emulate today in my everyday life so he's just super inspiring he's super inspiring to me and uh that's the short answer <laughs> yeah well, i mean 
just to sort of talk about some of the things you mentioned there, I mean, for me, on Naboo, Jewel of the Fates, yeah. um, when sort of the force fields separate Qui-Gon and Maul, yeah. Oh, yeah. obviously what you said there where Qui-Gon sort of, sort of kneels, sent as meditates himself, quite calm, cool, yep. collected. Mm-hmm. And obviously you see Maul sort of trying his blade against the against the force field before he powers it down. Yep. And Maul's also, if I remember correctly, pacing backwards and forwards. Yes, he is. So Maul's very anxious and nervous in that moment. And Qui-Gon's very at peace. Yep. Um, um, and obviously I know Maul does actually win the duel. Yep. But does he win? Because... Exactly. Obviously, if you watch Clone Wars, you sort of know that sort of Qui-Gon finds a way into sort of the netherworld of the Force. Um, and that's the bigger picture, really. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and you, and you could say that obviously Qui-Gon's actions there need Obi-Wan fighting Maul, Obi-Wan defeating Maul, yep. but then also Obi-Wan promising that Qui-Gon to take Anakin as his Padawan, which obviously leads to Anakin be I mean, he'd, although he does turn the dark side, but long story short, leads to Anakin sort of fulfilling the prophecy at the end when he chucks the Emperor down the Death Star shaft. Exactly. He was right. Qui-Gon yeah. was right, and I, I, I love that. And that actually, that moment where Qui-Gon centers himself in the midst of the duel, that's my favorite moment in all of Star Wars that we've ever had. I just I love it. It's so powerful. Yeah, it is. It, it's such a powerful moment. And again, the way it contrasts with like the good side of the Force and then Maul and the dark side of the Force, how he's the polar opposite in that moment. Like I said, he's anxious. He's, he's like strutting backwards and forwards. He's, he's sort of looking at Qui-Gon. He's looking at the Force fields. Yeah. Um, it's sort of saying that like, like, like one way is the good side, and one side is the bad side. Um, so it's sort of very, very powerful stuff there. Um, another thing, sort of, you said there, obviously about Qui Gon going against the Council at times. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you've watched many Marvel movies. Oh but yeah. To to me, sort of, I always so my favorite um, character in the MCU is uh, Captain America. Oh, good one, good one. And and so, and one of my favorite things about Captain America as portrayed in the MCU is that um, he very much he, he's he's a good guy he's got a good soul and a good heart and a good mind yep and he will do what he thinks is the right thing to do true um, and obviously one of the problems that they had sort of um, sort of after that age of Ultron going into Civil War is that obviously he's saying that like I'm not going to be held accountable and told what to do by a council right uh, which is what they're trying to get him to sign. He refuses to sign those um, accords because he says, "Yep, people have. If if people if a council is going to tell us what to do, those people can be corrupted. Those people have reasons for doing things. Where, like, at the moment, yes, we may have made some mistakes, but at the end of the day, we made those mistakes because we went there because we thought it was right. Sure, so, like, the book st- the book stops with us. We went there because we thought it was right." Um, and that sort of reminds me of Qui-Gon when he goes against Council. It's like, yeah, you might be in the Jedi High Council. And like, and he, and he does respect them. I, I think obviously, like, it comes across as disrespect, but I think he does respect them. But right. it's a case of, but it's a case of, he also respects the Force and himself enough as well to be like, I do disagree with you here. And I'm going to, I'm not going to pretend I'm going to tell you the truth and tell you how I feel about what you are doing and what you think. Exactly. Um, I always describe is, Qui-Gon as the Jedi that got it right. Yeah, definitely. And he's also very brave to do that. So to go against the council is a very brave thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it would be easy just to go along with them. And like like as, as Obi-Wan says, if he did just sort of, I mean, that thing again, where if, if you did bury your feelings about it, 
um, which would lead to the dark side. And he just went along with the council. I mean, A would be going against the Jedi because he was sort of, be, be right. sort of burying that. And then also, obviously, they say, oh, yeah, you would be on the high council if you just followed exactly what they said. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 he wouldn't be happy there and he wouldn't be himself there. And that's his goal is not to be the best Jedi ever. His right. goal is just, Qui-Gon's goal is just to, in the moment, do what he feels is the right thing to do. Exactly. Try to listen to the Force as opposed to the rules. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that that is that is him, and for me, he's a perfect Jedi. Um, Agreed. Sort of, he's what the Jedi sort of were. Yes. And sort of what they get lost from because because the Jedi on bad when we meet them in sort of the prequel trilogy. Right. But they have lot, but they've lost the way of it without realizing. Exactly. I totally agree. I'll, I'll dude, I'll die on the hill defending Jedi. And it's so funny that, like, uh, you know, a lot of people try to use Qui-Gon as the idea of a gray Jedi, but he's really not. He's what he's a true Jedi. He's what they're supposed to be. And it's so easy to get lost in the day-to-day of, like, oh, this is just how things are. You know, so much so, speaking of moments, you know, he mentions to the Council after fighting Darth Maul and Tatooine, he's like, you know, I, I think it was a Sith. And Ki-Adi Mundi's like, they've been extinct for a millennia, please. And then Mace Windu's like, yeah, we would have we would have known if it was a Sith. It's like, well, no, you just weren't paying attention. You know, you got so comfortable in the peace that you forgot to keep a lookout and seeing things for what they are, which Qui-Gon was, like, ever vigilant. Um, I just love it. Like, I don't... I think the Jedi made mistakes. I think there were places where they went wrong. Um, but I don't think they're bad. You know, I don't think they need to go away. I think they're so important to the galaxy, and I think Qui-Gon was the model Jedi of, yeah, what they were. You know, and then they got off the beaten path a little bit. They got too comfortable. And so Qui-Gon seemed like he was at odds with them when really he was talking about maintaining the path. And I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, no, it's definitely very powerful and very cool. And I sort of, obviously, I say Qui-Gon's like the perfect Jedi. Yep. And I think, like, if you look at, like, Kanan's journey. Kanan oh, yeah. Jarrus, he's my second. I, I, <laughs> I, feel, I feel he's a perfect Jedi, especially in that selfless moment at the, at the, at the end. Where he, oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Sort of, sort of what he does. He knows what's happening there. And he, he, he makes yep. that choice, sort of makes that choice in an instant without even yep. without even being selfish and thinking about himself. Exactly. That's actually my uh, my laptop wallpaper is Kanan holding back the fire. Well, that's very powerful. That's cool. It is. Oh. It is. My, my, my personal favorite moment in all of animation is Kanan's sacrifice. Because it just, yeah, like that's the jet. That's the, that is the whole point of a Jedi. That's where a Jedi belongs, in front of the darkness protecting the innocent. Like that's your that's your job. You know, so Kanan was a perfect Jedi in that moment. And I just loved it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and it, and I think Luke has the same moment uh, on the Death Star where he once he turns that lightsaber off and throws it away. Exactly. And exactly. again sort of sort of these defining moments in these characters like prove that they are sort of the true exactly. true Jedi of times gone past. And, like, even to to further dive into that, I mean, in Episode Eight, when Luke goes out and projects himself across the galaxy, he knows he's not going to survive it. You know what I mean? He, he understands what this means. Like, Kylo Ren even says in the beginning, like, you're not doing this. The effort alone would kill you, right? And then at the end of the movie, Luke is meditating on Octo, projecting himself to Crate to get the Resistance out of there. He, he sacrificed himself for the Resistance in that moment, knowing he wasn't going to survive, but it didn't stop him from doing it. He does, and I, I don't know if you've read the um, big comic adaption of The Last Jedi, Episode 8. 
Oh no, not yet. Is it good? So, so well in that those final moments in the comic, sort of Luke's, it's like a mind bubble, sort of what he's thinking. Oh. And uh, as he's meditating, and the mind bubbles are awesome. So what it, the mind bit says is, um, and any master will tell you, you always leave your best trick to last. Oh, sweet. So he knows that's his last moment on yeah. this earth, in, the, in this galaxy, uh, as a fibrous being. Yeah. Um, but he's like, I've got my best trick, I'm saying the last, and it's going to work, and it's going to get a resistance out of there. Exactly. exactly. So again, another selfless sort of, selfless um, selfless act that he's doing there. Yep, yep, a very Jedi act, I would say. Yeah. Again, all stems from sort of Qui-Gon, and how he portrays himself in, in the Phantom Menace. Exactly. Exactly. That's a good. That's a good first question. I'm going to turn it back on you, though. Who's your favorite character, and why? Ooh. See, I always struggle with questions like this because. Yeah. So, how do you like it? Take some of so your I, own medicine, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like it, but yeah. so the, re- the reason why is because I struggle to like. Like I go through sort of phases. Mm-hmm. So, sort of like one of my favorite characters at the moment is sort of Ben Solo, Kylo Ren. Oh, good one. Because that's the story we've been getting sort of at the moment. Sure. Um, but the sort of, sort of the tragic, the tragic sort of fall of Ben Solo and how it comes from sort of him not feeling good enough and the pressures of sort of legacy and who your family are. Right. And what people, and what people expect of you before you've even done anything. Sure. And then obviously, and then how he sort of, and then other people sort of see that and then corrupt him more. Like, I don't know. It's sort of, it, I find his story very tragic because it's it sort of, I really don't feel like he hasn't chosen anything himself. Right. Apart from that moment in Rise of Skywalker where he throws that lightsaber in the sea. Sure. And he, cho- and he chooses to travel to Exegol side with Ray. Right, right. That's what I feel that's the first time he's made a decision on his own without anybody clouding his mind or anybody giving him ideas. Right. Anybody sort of um trying to be a puppet master with him. Where oh. I think that when when he's younger I think it comes from his family. Maybe not on purpose, but sort of the pressures of of sort of being Luke Skywalker's nephew in Padawan and sort of having Han Solo and Lea Regana as your parents. Right. Um, the pressures of that and sort of, and then like, did he want to be a Jedi? We, we don't know, but it's expected of him because of who his uncle and how his mother is. Sure, sure. Does he, is he going to be a good pilot? Well, it's expected of him because of who, again, his uncle and who his dad is. Right. Um, so it's, it, do you know what I mean? So, so I really feel from those moments and obviously like, I don't know if you've read the comic, um, there's a, I think they did a one shot in the, um, it was like Rise of Resistance comic book series. I think it was. Uh-huh. So it was a one, a first order one where it was like Snoke takes him to Dagobah actually. Um, oh. As like as Kylo Ren, just some training with him there. Yeah, it's really cool. You should pick that up. Oh, and then obviously man. the the new series, um, the Rise of Kylo Ren, obviously deals a lot into sort of how he's manipulated by the Knights of Ren and also by Snoke. Right. And uh, it's just sad, and like I really feel for him because it's like it would be just going through things he went through, like as as sort of a youngster, as a teenager, like would be really hard things. And obviously, with these people sort of manipulating and like 
he wouldn't know what was right or wrong. And these guys are pretending to be his friends and showing him things and telling him things right. because of the pressures from his family. Like it's sort of, do you know what I mean? It's sort of sure. I always got an impression when you sort of watch the Force Awakens that when Kylo Ren's speaking, that he, you can tell he's not like 100% in that. Right, right. I, I like still phrase, I use the phrase lost. Right, right. So he's doing these things, so that's where he's at now. And, but he doesn't necessarily believe that that's, that's not sure where he wants to be, but that's where he's found himself. Right. Does that make sense? Sure. And then he's now living that life. It's almost like Anakin. So it's like, obviously, Anakin didn't want to be a Sith Lord and didn't want to be right hand side of the Emperor or kill the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But because of that, but he made decisions yep. for other reasons, but led him in, into that life. And then, like, he's almost like a shell of a man, a sad man. Sure. And when he thinks about his past life, he's very angry about it, I feel. Yeah, totally. That's why when Vader's most angry, it's because he's saying, oh, he's lost. Right. It's not because he's angry anything else it's because of, you know what I mean yeah he lost his best friend he lost his wife he lost his children right totally he, he lost his order true uh, literally everything yeah so and, and I think like when he gets reminded that is when he's most angry so he's not angry at people just because he doesn't like them he's angry at he wants to go back to where he was right but you can't but you can't do that so I feel like I feel Ben Solo sort of Kylo Ren's lost Therefore, he's never wholeheartedly in that evil role, right? Right. But it all, but it almost makes him more dangerous because it's unpredictable. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, Speaking of Jedi so, moments, you know, Ben had a great Jedi moment, sacrificing himself for Rey in the end. And there we go. Yeah. So totally turns that pack full circle again. Yeah. So like when you speak about that, those selfless acts, like right yep. there, and then he he knows what he's doing. Yep. Yep. He knows that. He knows that's all his life force going into her. And still went for it because he's a Jedi. That's why. Yeah, and again, because he's making, probably finally feels free. He's making his own decisions, uncorrupted by anyone. There's no puppet master on any strings. Exactly. Like he's, de- he's decided to do that himself, and, and I think that really is sort of the triumphant of his sort of redemption. Yeah, totally. Um, but I, so that's that's at the moment I'm really loving Ben Solo because we're getting the cool comics of his backstory. Right. Um, like I said, I've really been really been digging that. Um, my favorite Star Wars character ever though was probably Luke Skywalker. Um, Good one. Can't just go wrong with it, Luke. Well, it's the it's the hero's journey, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But it but it's told by obviously a masterful storyteller in George Lucas mm-hmm. um, in the first two trilogies, um, and I feel that obviously we don't really get him in episode seven, but I right. feel that when we get him in episode eight, I feel Ryan really, really, because I, I really dug sort of how Luke was portrayed because Same. a tragedy, a tragedy that happened. Yeah. So of, of course that's going to affect you in a bad way. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, it, do you know what I mean? Like it, it's absolutely tragic what happens. It, imagine if you were a teacher in, in, a, in one of your pupils, burn the school down and right. like killed half half the truck. Like you wouldn't go back to work, would you? That's you, you, true. You you would need you would probably need help from right. like a psychiatrist, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like it's <laughs> absolutely gonna make you sort of depressed. Um it, it, it's gonna really, really sort of wreck you. And that's what happened. Happened to Lucy Sarah. Right. And then the fact the fact that it was a family member probably meant even more and he felt like he'd failed. Right. Um, and so, obviously, he goes there, cuts himself on the force. But then, obviously, when he finally reaches out and he senses Leia in the coma, 
that's when he makes the decision to come back. Yep. Um, it just takes one one little thing there, and he decides to come back. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he was going to. I don't know if you read the novelization of the Last Jedi. But right, he was on his way to leave, and then well. So if you notice, <laughs> if you, if you watch the movie when he catches them touching hands, he's got like his coat on his bag on his back, like he, he's packed up. Yep. <laughs> he's right, so he's ready sad. <laughs> it's sad, but what I love about it is that like he doesn't let that stop him. Nope. Nope. Because yeah. then he because then because then he does what we discussed. He projects himself. Yep. Nope. Um, but yeah, so I think I think Luke Skywalker's my favorite character throughout the whole sort of story so far. Sure. But I think over the, over the last five years, I've really really enjoyed sort of Kylo Ren Ben Solo's story. Right on, right on. Well, my first question is: What has been your favorite Star Wars project in the last few years, and why? Ooh. Right. Right. So I'd probably say Star Wars Rebels. Ooh, good one. Um, I feel like as a story, like it, it wasn't connected to sort of obviously like with the sequel trilogy, it's connected to the original trilogy, right? So obviously, like oh, I've loved those movies and was excited for them, but like for Rebels, it was like, well, here's these characters who like aren't really connected to any legacy characters, um, and here's how this these guys meet, right? And then, and then for our four seasons, it's also how these guys end. Mm-hmm. So, it was, and obviously, as we went through the four seasons, we we f- sprinkled in a few main characters there who we know from the past, but the, but they weren't directly related to them, if that makes sense. Right. But the fact that obviously the storytelling was so good, that uh, sort of those characters now are integral Star Wars characters, if that makes sense. That's true. That's true. Um. And they sort of did that just through awesome storytelling, not by association. Sure. Uh, so I, I think Star Wars Rebels, and because it had a it had a beginning, and it, it sort well, it sort sort of has a closure at the end there. Sure. Um, obviously, a few characters we don't know what's going on with, but right. So, so for me, I think Star Wars Rebels is my favorite project so far in the in the past few years, just because I had had a sort of definitive ending. Right. Um, the journey was sort of powerful and awesome um the animation is absolutely brilliant agreed um, and obviously we got a few obviously more comes into it a little bit um we sort of get sort of his end of his story yep um we sort of get little sort of sprinklings of what the emperor's doing and why he needs relics and things like that right um i like the, the idea they brought the inquisitors in true was a cool thing if you look at how that's affecting the Star Wars storytelling now like that yeah <laughs> Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order like yeah the, the brilliant game that's world renowned obviously a big part of that game is sort of the Inquisitors and again this is where they were introduced um, here in Star Wars Rebels yep true um, so for me it would be Star Wars Rebels but I mean I'm enjoying everything to be honest with you yeah I mean like like I mean I don't want to go on about it but say like Rise of Skywalker so the movie it missed me in certain parts that's okay. And I have a few problems with it, but like I saw it four times in theaters. Nice. And every, ta- every time I was, I didn't come out bored. I didn't come out going like, oh no. Like when I sat watching it in the theater, I had a good time watching Star Wars in the theater. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? So so I pretty much enjoy, enjoy it all really. Um, but, but for me, Rebels was sort of, I don't know, perfect storytelling. Yeah. Um, and I said new characters who then, the built up and those characters sort of earned our trust, earned our emotions, and then 
it was just just brilliant to be a part of that. It felt very organic as well, sort of storytelling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I loved Rebels. Rebels was so good. My favorite is probably Rogue One. That's a brilliant film. I really, I think it is perfect. I think it's a perfect Star Wars movie. Everything about it had laughs, had heartbreak, had heart, had everything about that movie is is perfect. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a perfect it's a perfect Star Wars movie, and it's a perfect war movie. Yep, I agree. And it's a perfect like blend of, of, of both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love I, I really love Rogue One. Um, I can't remember how many times I saw it in theaters. I think it was like 18 times maybe in the theaters for Rogue One. I saw it uh, 22? Because I was 22 for Last Jedi. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, Rogue One was awesome. That's a good choice. Who's your favorite um, character in Rogue One? Um, out of the main crew, Chirrut. I good choice. love Chirrut. I think he's so cool. Because, again, it goes back to, you know, unshakable faith. This dude is blind. <laughs> he literally surrenders everything to the Force. And, uh, well, he does pretty all right. He does, he does yeah. He does pretty he all does. right. I love, I love Jared a lot. How about you? My favorite character in Rogue One? Yeah. For me, it, it's Cassian. Ooh, good one. Good one. Because he's very, it's like... I'm excited for the Cassian series that's going to be coming because it's like yep, same. obviously in that movie at the beginning of the movie obviously we see him shoot that informant in the back because he can't climb out right um, obviously he's going to kill Galen Erso because he's following orders yep well, so of course that like sort of Clone Wars line like good soldiers follow orders right um, but obviously but then how his relationship not just with Jin but also with sort of Chirrut Bays and how that sort of um, sort of uh, almost like Rebels like found family although it's not quite to that extent but sort of how, how this group of people come together right. how it changes him to being like he sort of brings him back from being that sort of cold hearted soldier sure and brings him back to being a bit more human mm-hmm. um, so that, that's, I really enjoy that sort of storyline with him that's a good one that's a good one my second question for you Brian is um so obviously I met you at Star Wars Celebration, and uh, we've sort of hung out with two Star Wars Celebrations now. Yep. Um, but if you go back sort of, I don't know when the last one was, but sort of maybe, well, you can tell me. So there used to be an event called Star Wars Weekends that used to happen at Disney World in Florida. Right. Is that correct? That is correct. That was a thing that happened. So I've heard about these, but obviously I've, I've never been to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously they don't happen now because I know that they, they stopped doing them when they've announced that the park, the Galaxy's Edge, uh, Batu Black Spy Outpost was coming. Yep. Um, so I just want, I mean, so I mean, which do you prefer, Star Wars weekends or Star Wars celebration, and sort of why, and also uh, explain to us and myself uh, what Star Wars weekends was, please. Well, um, here's the thing: I have only ever been to Star Wars weekends once, and it was the last one. Like the literal, oh, wow. the literal last one. Like, cause it it went on. It was a thing that Disney did. It was for five weekends, and they would have Star Wars guests show up. They would do panels, and then they would do this like motorcade parade, and they would have the five hundred first and the Rebel Legion march in this parade. Um, so I actually have never experienced it as a fan. The uh, the last time that I went was the very last. I believe it it might have been Sunday, either Saturday or Sunday, and I was in the parade as a Jedi with the Rebel Legion. 
So I don't even know what it's like to watch the parade and see everything go down because I was in the parade. So I have a very specific experience with it. Um, it was really cool because, you know, it's a giant parade at Disney World and and the whole thing was really, really neat. But me personally, I like Star Wars Celebration because it was longer. There's more panels. It just offered more for me. Like, you know, you're not in the Florida heat in the sun <laughs> waiting for... Uh, everything to kind of happen in front of you. Um, but it was really cool. Like, I still have a shirt that I bought and, like, pins and stuff. I was like, I have to remember this. Um, it seemed like a good time, but I am I was not one of the people who was able to go, like, as a kid and kind of experience it. Savannah, on the other hand, is way into it. She's, I think she went to every Star Wars weekends while she lived in Florida. Uh, so if you want the inside scoop on Star Wars weekends, Savannah's definitely a, a better source um, so my vote, judged by my limited experience with Star Wars weekends, is going to have to go to Star Wars Celebration. Cool. Well, hopefully, maybe we can get Savannah on to do a Knowing Me, Knowing You special. Yeah, there you go. You never know. We'll have to ask her. Um, so just one quick question about the Star Wars weekends. Also, sure. So you went as part of the Rebel Legion. I did. Which is, obviously, um, it's sort of, people who are the 501st is obviously sort of like the sort of Imperial bad guys, yep. sort of costume and troop. Yep. Um, so Rebel Legion is the good side, isn't it? That is correct. They're sister or so, sister groups. So am I, am I right in thinking that at Disney Parks, uh, you're not allowed to go to Disney Parks in costume normally? That is true. That was why so, another reason it was such a big deal. Because, you know, kids so, can't tell the difference. So because of Star Wars Weekends, you've got to actually go to Disney in costume and be all right, not be in trouble. Uh, the opposite. <laughs> Uh, because of now that they're, the reason that you can't go to Disney World in costume, like an actual costume, uh, is because kids don't know the difference. So they go up and they see a real Jedi. So they think that you're one of the people working for the company. So a cast member. Exactly. Um, and just for legal reasons, Disney can't take that risk of just anyone who wants to come in and wear a costume to represent the company. You understand? Yeah. So you you can no longer uh, go, uh, and I, from what I understand, if you do, you have to like identify yourself as like I don't work for these people. You're not allowed to take pictures with people, um, which can be kind of sad if like a kid wants to come up and take a picture, and you're like, oh hey, sorry, we can't because you know legality. Yeah, so that's cool. So it's pretty cool that you got to do that, and you've actually got to sort of be in a parade in costume. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. I had a really good time. Um, it was just so fun. It was just so fun because, like, you know, a big thing that the Rebel Legion and the Five Hundred First do is a lot of stuff for kids, um, a lot of charity work, a lot of things like that. And it's like there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to a kid looking at you and believing that you are that thing from the thing that it loves. You know what I mean? So it's like when they look at you, they don't see a person in the costume. They see an actual Jedi or an actual stormtrooper. And it's just that magic is really what Disney's all about. Um, so it's cool to be a part of it. Yeah, so my mom tells this story. So we uh, I used to go to Disneyland Paris a lot when I was younger. Oh, cool. Uh, and obviously that sort of got stuck. Well, it's, I think it's getting a miniature Star Wars land in the future, I think, like a tiny version. Cool. Obviously it's had, it's had Star Tours for, for a long time. Sure. Um, and it's got like a big X-Wing in Tomorrowland sort of outside. It looks really nice. cool. Nice. That one has the dragon, right? Underneath the castle or something like that? It, it does, yes. That's correct. Nice. That's really cool. Um, well, from what I remember. Sure. Um, <laughs> so Swan tells a story. We're in this sort of, like we'd come out of Star Tours, so we're in sort of the tunnel heading out of the ride. Mm-hmm. 
and um, I was sort of I, I can't remember how old I was, but she says that I was sort of like hiding behind my dad because like the Darth Vader was going up and down the corridor, <laughs> and I would sort of I would come back around the front of my dad when he walked away, and then when he turned to come back, I would sort of slowly go back around the back of my dad. <laughs> so like so whenever Darth Vader was facing us, I would have my dad between me and Darth Vader. Sure. But whenever Darth Vader was had his back turned, I would. I'd pop around the front. I get a closer look. There you go. Uh, and obviously, like I don't, I don't remember that. But my mom says I used to do that. But it goes to show that like, I was probably thinking like that is Darth Vader. Sure. Uh, I don't want to go running up to him. But right. I didn't want to close. But I didn't want to close a <laughs> look. And then when he was turning around, I was like, I'm going to go and hide a bit. There you go. You're a smart kid. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's cool. I think like obviously, I think obviously in the UK. I mean, obviously there is sort of. Rebel Union and 501st garrisons here, but it's it's not like in the in the media like it is over there, yeah. over where you guys are in America. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you, you essentially do a lot of charity work, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sort of helping communities, helping um, charities. Yep. Yep. Lots of fundraiser events and things like that. A lot of walks, like if they do like the walk for MS or thing, different uh, causes, that a lot of times they'll ask the, the legions to be there. Yeah, it's cool, man. That's, that's it's a really good part of get, not only being a Star Wars fan, loving Star Wars, but also giving back to the communities. Um, exactly, it's a, it's a really, really powerful message, and obviously goes back to George's message of hope, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think anyway. So, no, that's cool. Um, I believe it's your question. It is my next question: is if you could own any prop from the Star Wars galaxy and keep it, what would you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff. I won't even relegate it to size. Can I pick like any costume? You could. I think I would want the full Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight costume from Return of the Jedi. Ooh, the black with the with the white flap. The black robes with with the sort of the black with the white flap, but I'd want the the cape that he wears in Jabba's palace as well. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Because it's got the hood, but it doesn't have the sleeves, I don't think. That's true. It's, he, it's like a the, cloak as opposed to yeah. a robe. And the way he walks in, is it, it's, it's cool. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good um, one. But I don't know. So that's a costume. Any prop? Hmm. Yep. When I, see, when I was younger, I used to love Han Solo. Yeah. He was my favorite character. When I was like like a kid and a teenager, it was Han Solo. So, sure. So, because so, I, I cast myself as a, as a tweener, so I started watching Star Wars in like... When I was around four or five years old, so like 1993, 94, because sure. my cousin Alan had it on VHS and I watched it at his house. There you go. So, so if I got into Star Wars through VHS, and so I, Han Solo was my favorite character, sort of up until the prequels came out, and then, then then I got more Star Wars and got to witness that on a big screen and like be part of the new Star Wars. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which was like awesome and brilliant. So like, sort of, and I had sort of Han Solo's blaster. Nice. As a toy, yeah, and it was painted. Or it was all orange because I think at the time uh, they couldn't in the UK toy guns couldn't be like couldn't look real. Sure. So, sure. but but this gun, the detail was awesome on this gun, but it was just painted orange. Um, but that was like my favorite thing. So I don't know if maybe I think like ten year old me would want sort of Han Solo blaster. That's a good one. That's a good one to pick. The little DL forty four. Yeah, it's a cool blaster. It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Mine would obviously be Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber. 
I'd just like to have it. It'd be neat just to like put it in like a case. Be like, ah, yes, the weapon of a true Jedi. It'd be awesome. Would you keep it in the case or would you like carry it around? Well, see, that's the thing, you know. It's like part of me would definitely want to carry it around, but then the other part of me would know I would kill myself and probably someone else in the process because how could you not turn it on every chance you got? So I think yeah. I think when I first got it, I would turn it on. And I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life!" And then I would turn it off and then put it in the case, and then occasionally take it out and turn it on. But I would not swing it around because yeah, I'd probably just decapitate myself. Yeah, it's definitely um, the Jedi make it look very easy to swing one of those things around, but it definitely takes some skill. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the blade doesn't have any weight. You know, that's the thing. So, like, compared to real swords, you don't have that to kind of offset your swings. You're just swinging around a handle. And you're like, ooh, it's so easy. So easy for something to go so wrong. Oh, no, definitely, 100%. I have very, very, very skilled swordsmen. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. So, my next question for you, Brian, is, um, so, what's been your favorite part of Star Wars canon set after Return of the Jedi, that we sort of haven't had fully featured in sort of the sequel trilogy. Ooh, okay. Now we're diving in, aren't we? Let's see. Favorite that we haven't... Okay, here's something that I think about a lot that hasn't been explored yet. Uh, In that book, um, the, The Crimson Corsair, do you remember that? It was like a short story with Captain Athano. And they were like pirates and biker uh, gangs looking for Dooku's lost treasure. I, I've not read that. I, I really want to read it. It didn't get released properly in the UK, if I'm correctly. Okay. So I, I, haven't re- I haven't read it yet, but the cover looked awesome. And the idea of Count Dooku's lost treasure. Yeah. Um, really, I really wanted to get it. So, so like, I'm, I'm still looking to get it, yeah. It, so there's what Dooku's lost treasure is. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for you because it's that mind-blowing that I'm still thinking about it five years later. Um, but I would like to see that explored because it is so out of left field, like, what? And then they just never talk about it again. They don't explain how it got there or anything about it. They're just like, and then there's this. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it's never brought up again. So that is something that if anyone's listening and has read it, they know what I'm talking about, uh, that I would like to see explored more. That would be really nice. Um, I would also, I would like more, uh, I'd like more uh, about Maz. Because I think Maz is really cool. I think that Maz, you know, she's over a thousand years old at this point. Because Han even mentions like, oh, she's been running this watering hole for a thousand years. And I'm like, okay. So she's older than Yoda. So I'm wondering what she's seen. I'd like some Maz stories. How about you? Yeah, you... So for me, sort of one of my favorite things mentioned in sort of the Star Wars canon set sort of after Return of the Jedi is from uh, the Shattered, uh, Shattered Empire Ooh, yeah. graphic novel. Oh, so good. Obviously, Luke's sort of, it sort of ties in similarly to sort of the Battlefront 2 storyline when you come across Luke Skywalker. Yep. On, uh, is it Palio? Palio? Pelio? Pelio. Pelio. Uh, and obviously... If you read the Aftermath trilogy, obviously, you know, the Emperor has these observatories where he keeps sort of rare Jedi and Sith and all kinds of magic artifacts. Yeah. Um, and so we, we do one in the Shattered Empire comic where Luke... Gets uh, the trees. Well, yeah, he steals two Force trees from an Imperial 
um, well, like it, it is one of yeah, sort of one of the Emperor's top secret sort of depots. Yeah, to four sensitive trees, um, and he does that with um, Paul Dameron's mother, I believe. Is that correct? Still, yep. yeah, Shara Bay. Shara Bay, yeah, who was obviously a, a Ewing pilot in the Battle of Endor. Yep, she uh, pilots Luke in and out of this situation, and as a reward, he gives her one of the Force trees. True, and he keeps one. And I've always wanted to know sort of what happens to these force trees and what can these force trees do. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we know Paul Dameron grew up on Yavin 4, so, like, did she plant it on Yavin 4? Right. Who knows? And and where did Luke plant his? Did he plant it on the planet where he had his temple? Sure. Or did he not? Uh, what, what can force trees do? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, there's sort of a lot of unanswered questions where I was hoping that a, a tree might just pop up like in the background somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but obviously, but we did have the old the old tree that had the Jedi text inside it in, in Last Jedi, which again made me think that's a different force tree, like a dead one maybe that's being turned into a temple. Right. Um. So yeah, it, it, like I was hoping to see sort of that because of the link to Poe Dameron, because the force trees, one got left with his mother where he grew up, I thought we might see the force trees in in the sequel trilogy but yeah it never but it never happened and then obviously in the sort of the trailers for rise of skywalk i got really excited because i thought that um asian cross was perhaps yavin 4 at first when i first saw the pictures right right so i thought oh we're going to see the force tree but obviously it's it's not a planet it's a different one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm with you there what my next question for you is if you could with the latest news of everything going on with the Mandalorian season two, right? So I'll even say into season two, season three, the future of the Mandalorian. If you could choose the cameo that appears, who would you want it to be? For season three, two or three, any of them. Who would you like to see appear in the Mandalorian? Hmm. I mean. I'm not going to lie, but like one of my first thoughts in season one, when um, when the uh, when the armorer tells the Mandalorian that he needs to take the child back to his people, right? And when she says people, she doesn't mean species; she means the Jedi. Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my first thought was, well, there's only one Jedi running around at the moment, and his name is Luke Skywalker. Right, right. So I, I don't know how they pull that off, but my first thought was like. If he's going on for Jedi, then the Jedi everyone's on everyone's lips is Luke Skywalker because he's the man who blew up the first Death Star. True. And then he's all, and then he's also the man who's defeated Vader and the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, so I don't know how to do that, but that's what I've, I've really got excited with the idea of like almost like the search for Luke Skywalker, sort of again. So yeah, like, I, know, I, I know we got on the sequel trilogy, but sort of like this bounty hunter looking for Luke Skywalker and does he find? Does he not? Yeah, um, I never thought about that. That'd be so cool. He's like tracking Luke through all his adventures. Definitely, yeah. and obviously we know in this time Luke's probably looking through these observatories where he's looking for these compasses and these false artifacts. Right. Uh, looking for holocrons, things like that. Um, That'd be so cool. Yeah, and you could do cool things like the Mandalorian could come across like giant holocrons while he's looking for Luke. Yeah. Maybe, and like not be able to open them, but then the child could open them Ooh, by accident. Ooh, that'd be cool. 
yeah, and then so you could you could do a lot of cool things like that, um, tie a lot of things in from sort of Filoni's Rebels and Clone Wars world in that way. Yeah, um, I never thought about this. This is genius. I mean, I would also love. I would want to see. I want to see a hut. Oh yeah. Yep. A hut who's really really angry because obviously they or maybe not if they seize control because Jabba's gone. But like, I want to hear like that ref like the end Jabba reference and who the new crime boss is. I think it would be really cool. Right. Oh, I know we've seen Hutt, I know we've seen Huts in sort of Star Wars Resistance, yep. like animated. We've seen them in comic books. Uh, Garakus the Hut in sort of Poe Dameron comic. But yep. I would love to see one on on screen again. And I want to see like the puppet again. I think they should redo it with the puppet from, yeah. from Return of Jedi. I agree. I would love to see Huts again. I love Huts. I think they're so freaking cool. They are, and they fit right in with that sort of crime underworld, so it, yeah. it makes, makes, makes sense to me. Yeah, like the Star Wars Mafia involved? It's so cool. De- well, yeah, definitely, man. Like, I think, like, I mean, it's a shame that sort of these Star Wars stories are currently on hiatus because, and I don't think they'll come back, to be honest, mm. but but it would have been great to get, like, a crime, a crime-centric. Yeah, that um, would have been cool. Like, I know, so- I know Solo sort of was, but I would have loved to have got, like, a proper gritty... Like that's that's follow. Yeah, like, that's, a, that's almost a good fellow. That's just to a young kid on sure. the planet who's like who's like lower life for the crime syndicate, but then ends up getting like seeing something or doing something by accident that propels them into sort of the upper echelons of that crime syndicate and then how that works and right. interacting with the different crime families and how it works. Obviously, the different crime families aren't really families, but be like like the huts and. Um, uh, Crimson Dawn. Yeah, and the Pike um, Syndicate. The, the Pikes. Um, yeah. What's the What's the guys called from Shadows of the Empire again? Black Sun. Yeah. So yeah. So like that 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 would be your crime families almost. Um, I think that would be really cool. I agree. But sadly, I don't think. Well, we're definitely getting a movie. I don't think with that. Um, but I would have liked them doing that with like without Solo. Right. Like like trust your writers enough to create a new character who we're gonna not love by what they go through and what they do. Sure, sure. And then in, and in the background it is all these sort of crime families, these crime syndicates was what sort of I really wanted going forward, but if we can tie that into sort of the Mandalorian and get some huts in there and some crime bosses, that would be brilliant. I'd be down with that. I want to see Cad Bane. So, I mean... That's my... That's, I, that's my... If I... Pie in the sky, if I could choose anybody, Cad Bane. Just like the Mandalorian Michael Bar, I don't know, because I mean, I thought he died from Boba Fett, you know, in that animatic that we saw when they got the shootout and how Boba got the blaster mark in his head. Um, But I've been friends with Savannah too long, and she just does not agree with that. (laughs) So she's kind of brought me around to thinking that he might still be alive, even though we saw him get shot down. So I don't know now that you're asking me, but. I like to hope that he is, just so I can see a live-action giant cowboy hat. I think that'd be awesome. So, so have you heard my Dave Filoni story? No. So so my first Star Wars celebration was Star Wars Celebration London, which was in 2016, I believe. So it was it was the celebration before Rogue One. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so, obviously, at the time, sort of Star Wars was back, but the like, celebration wasn't, I don't think it was known to UK audiences that much. Right. Compared to what it is now, sure. So, 
So, so Dave Filoni walked the floor quite a bit at Star Wars Celebration London. What? So I spotted him. Um, I seen him and I was like, because so I was with my cousin Alan, I was like, Alan, that's Dave Filoni. He was like, oh, God, it is. So I was like, yeah, who else is having a like, cowboy oh. hat? I was like, oh, and he was with his, with his family members, I believe. And uh, you sort of hear what he was saying. He was like, they, they were going to check out, I think, the ILMX lab. Uh, it was like a, a, a booth, ILMX lab booth. Nice. And, like, did, and you sort of heard Dave say to them, oh, I'm just going to check the floor for a bit. Um, like over here, sort of on his own. So I, I think maybe he knew, oh, like this isn't America. I'm not going to get bothered as much. Right. <laughs> I can probably have a one day interact with some people and just, and just see and feel the vibes. He's not going to get mobbed, annoying, but he's going to be able to speak to people. Right. And then, and then, so I see him. And then obviously, like there's a group of people dressed as the rebels, Star Wars rebels characters. Nice. So I came and spoke to them, and uh, they, they got a picture with him. And then, like I just went, I went, oh hi, Dave. Um, like. I absolutely love like Star Wars Rebels. It's, it's awesome. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. And I was like, like is it okay if I grab a picture? I was like, okay. Uh, like, I can't believe you're actually like here, like in front of us. And he's like, oh yeah, like no problem. No problem. So he, he took the picture. And then I was like, oh, I did. I've got a question. Can I ask you a question? He was like, yeah, yeah, you can ask me a question. And then uh, so I asked him about Cat Bane. I went, do you think Cat Bane is, is still alive? And could he appear in sort of future Star Wars sort of setting in the sequel trilogy timeline? Because obviously, we see that scene, that, that animatronic, like the unfinished Clone Wars scene where he has a sh- like a Western shootout with Boba Fett. Right. And sort of, they both sort of hit each other. Mm-hmm. Sort of, Boba's helmet gets hit, but we know Boba survives. And Cad Bane's hat gets hit. Yep. And we don't know if it hit his head or if it didn't. Um, and he, he actually paused and you could see him thinking about it in his head. I thought he was thinking about the answer. He was thinking about, can I see anything here? Yeah. <laughs> and he, and, and he, and he, so he, he did pause to think, which I thought was really generous of him. And he sort of went, well, you know, like, I don't know any reasons why that couldn't happen. Ooh. Like, like it, yeah. So a very Dave answer. It, it wasn't an answer, but it was. But it was, yeah, so it was a really cool moment. But like, so yeah, like he, at, at that time, he, he said that to me about it. Hey, so we never know. I'll so we t- never know. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's a good one. That's a good one. What's your next one? Definitely. So my next question for you is, I wonder what your favorite full Star Wars soundtrack is. So not your favorite one song or one track, Ooh. but like entire entire movie or entire season of television soundtrack is. Um, Probably episode three. Revenge of the Sith. Yep, yep, probably. It, that's that's my favorite movie out of all of them. It's my favorite movie of all time out of all the movies, um, not just Star Wars. I just, I, it's a perfect, perfect movie, and the soundtrack is included in that. I just, it's got so many highs, so many lows. It's got the tragedy as well as the celebration and like the glimmer of hope in the end. I just love it. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I don't know what the first track's called, but like. The sort of those drums that once the crawl's finished and those drums kick in. Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, it's like and it's like war, like that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, obviously, later on, obviously, Battle of the Heroes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is is up there with Jew of the Face. It's up there with with sort of the Imperial March up there with all of the individual tracks, isn't it? Agreed. Um, Agreed. So I think I think that's a really really good. Obviously, at the end, sort of it, it sort of ties in with like a new hope. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of mirrors that in a very cool way in a very. Uh, poetic way um, I think that's a really good choice actually Brian that's really good thank you thank you how about um, you so mine is uh, The Last Jedi um, ooh good one 
I feel as an entire album, I think it's John Williams' best movie work ever. Nice, nice. I, I like think, it. I, th- I think it because it, it it does it does play on the it does use elements from from nostalgia from the original trilogy, mm-hmm. but it but it uses them like where needed, if you know what I mean. Like almost in sort of poetic examples of what's happening on screen, it ties it in sure. in a beautiful way. And I think it it has so many powerful new themes that you don't even realize it's a new. You don't think that's a new theme. You just think that's Star Wars. So like, um, I think if you listen to that album from um, from what's the track called? Let me have a quick check in my phone. Sure. Um, oh, I can't believe I don't know. I said noise off the top of my head straight away as well. Um, let's have a look. Mm-hmm. It is a very good soundtrack. I like it a lot. I think it's very, I think it matches everything that's going on on screen perfectly. Yeah. And it's all so like it's just absolutely like you can listen to it without the movie. Yeah. And it's awesome. But I found if you listen to it from if you listen to it from track sixteen, the Battle of Create. Right. All the way through to the finale. So it's Battle of Create, the Spark, the Last Jedi, Peace and Purpose and Finale. You can watch that without even watching the movie anymore, and you can just you can pitch on your head exactly what's happening. Yeah, that's true. It's true. And I think and a lot of those tracks are like some sprinkling old themes, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are quite new. I think like um, the spark where it's like uh, it's almost like a humming, like dumb, dumb yeah. when, like, Luke's, when Luke's walking out. Like that's new, but it but it doesn't feel new. It just feels like that's Luke walking out. It's like the hums of hope, the hums of like. The Jedi Master's here now, and he's gonna like wreck shop. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I like a lot of more, like sort of. So, yeah, I think that's on the spark, and obviously goes into the Last Jedi, which is when he's facing down Kylo Ren and they're speaking, and that's quite powerful. Obviously, peace and purpose is when the sort of Luke vanishes, and it yeah. sort of ties in nicely. Um, Battle of Create's an awesome soundtrack. It also Battle of Create track sixteen has bits of um, oh, what's it called? <laughs> Um, uh, it's an Imperial Pursuit from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what the track's called. Um, but sort of the time when the ties are pursuing the Falcon from the Death Star. Right, right. Uh, when the Falcon leaves the Death Star the first time. Um, sort of that, that comes in when the ties are chasing the Falcon through the core of Crate. Right. And it's like obviously there's four ties chasing the Falcon, so it's it, it, it's poetic and it, and he ties it in there, and it's like beautiful. And I, I can imagine Ryan Johnson maybe going, "Oh, maybe you can put this in here." Yeah, because <laughs> he's Easter such egg. a visual guy and he's got such a plan. Yeah, but so for me, it's the. I mean, I enjoy them all. I even enjoy sort of the Nomadium scores. Um, sort of, I loved I loved Rogue One's score, um, by. Uh, yeah, yeah, Rogue by, One's uh, probably up there for me as well. By uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it uh, Giacchino? Giacchino. Yep. Um, so, and I actually love the solo soundtrack. Yep. Um, yep. It's sort of like a, a sort of as action adventure, sort of, I don't want to sound cliche, but like it wasn't in the Ad Jones, but it had that sort of adventurous feel to yeah. it. That makes sense. Totally. Uh, which, which I really, really dug. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's The Last Jedi. Um, anyways, I haven't watched Avengers in a while, so I, I need to rewatch that, I think. Yeah, I recommend it. It's real good. Well, we, I see we've got Disney Plus in the UK now, so I'm wondering if they've got like 4K versions on there. Yeah, the there you go. There you go. I might, 
might have to do a rewatch of the whole saga. Why not? Why not? It's a good time. My next question for you is, what color do you think your lightsaber would be? Ooh. Yep. And then what color would you want it to be if it's different? So it's quite funny. So uh, obviously I've been playing um, Jedi Fallen Order on PlayStation 4. Yep. And I've just got part in the story where I've sort of remade my lightsaber. Nice. And then you get to sort of pick the color. Yep. And like it, it wasn't a easy decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like, because I'm torn to green straight away because um, sort of Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. Right. So I went sort of went to green and I thought, oh no, but do I go to blue? Because like, I feel blue is like classic Jedi. Yep. And then I, then I was like, oh, do I go like purple or yellow? Because like Plo Koon and Mace Windu are pretty cool. Yeah. And like in the end, I went with green. Green? Because I, I thought I had blue at the beginning of the game. And obviously I thought I'm becoming a better Jedi now. So like, I'll choose green and sort of mirror Luke. There you go. There you go. That's why. I, that's why I did that in the game. Uh, so in real life, um, I don't know. I think I'd probably go green, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's a good I think. One. I think. I think. Just obviously that Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker and sort of how he portrays himself in Return of the Jedi. I think such a he's he's grown up so much from from Episode Five to Episode Six. Yeah. And I think obviously something as simple as the color change that I'd say about sort of sort of shows you that like visually. Sure. Um, and there's just something about that that really re- really resonates with me. So I think I'd, I think I'd go green for that reason. Um, but I don't know if I could go any color like just for fun. Yeah. I'd probably go like, I don't know maybe like a like a fluorescent pink. Oh, there you go. Why not? So, so like my favorite wrestler is Brett the Hitman Hart, and he used to wear pink and black tights. Right. Uh, so maybe like maybe like a fluorescent pink lightsaber and be like be like Brett the Hitman Hart. There you go. I like it. I like it. Mine. I feel like I would want it to be green, for obvious reasons. Um, but then you know the old kind of mythology was you know green was like more the force and knowledge and stuff like that, where blue was more like technical combat, like. You focused on your lightsaber if you had a blue. If you were green, you focused on the force more. And I feel like there's... I would want to be green, and I would lean toward green, but there are definitely days when I would be more blue. Like, if somebody gave me a blue lightsaber and be like, this one's yours, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But then I'd also be like, but me, I'm green. You know what I mean? So I've got the duality, but I feel like I would land on green at the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of um? Would you go double bladed or single blade or cross guard? So honestly, probably single bladed. Um, probably something similar to either Qui Gon's or like Rom Kodas. Uh, they're my two favorite hilts in all of Star Wars. Not just because of the character, but because the design. It's so simple, and I really like that. I like that it's basically just a katana hilt. Um, it's like there's nothing flat. It doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't need anything that's like kind of crazy or draws any attention to it. It is like, uh, it does its job. You know what I mean? Like I like that it like it's practical above all else, and I feel like I I kind of relate to that. How about you? Yeah. So I mean, I would go for the cross guard. Yeah. Smart. Just because I, I love the way that thing looks. Um, and to be honest, because obviously we know 
Kylo's blade is um, obviously it's. I know the cross guard looks like it's sort of those two are like exhaust ports because it's like yep. not stable. Yep. But obviously, as we see in Rebels, when uh, Ezra finds one, the normal ones like all the blades are stable. Yep. But I think it looks better when it's not stable. Yep. Obviously, Kylo has a cracked crystal, and that's why his blade's not it's not stable. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd wonder if I had to just choose because how it looks. I think I'd go cross guard. But I'd go green because I'm a Jedi. But I would want it like damaged still, so like the sparks coming off it and stuff. Like, it there you looks go. Really powerful. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so I think it's down to the last question now. It Brian. is. Here we go. So, yeah. So this is not one you've asked me before, but it's a little bit different. Okay. Um, so, what future Star Wars project are you most excited about, and why? Ooh, Kenobi, by far. Okay. By far. I was more excited for the possibility of a Kenobi series than I was for an entire sequel trilogy. Like, it's... <laughs> Kenobi, with... Again, I'm, I'm, I'm the broken record here, but, like, anything that could bring up Qui-Gon Jinn again, um, you know, it's a Kenobi series. And the last thing we saw Kenobi do on screen was talk to... was give the baby to the family on orders from Yoda, who told him, I'll teach you to commune with your master. You know, so, like, there's no way the Kenobi series is not going to at least address Obi-Wan trying to reach out to Qui-Gon, and then Qui-Gon hopefully responding. You know, so just the idea of Qui-Gon Jim being on screen again. Like, he said a few lines in The Rise of Skywalker, and I was so excited. Like, in the theater, I got openly emotional when I heard uh, Liam Neeson's voice. I was like, oh, man, yeah. Like, it was all I ever wanted. Um, so... Kenobi, for sure, is the thing I'm most excited for. Um, how about you? So, I think, for me, what I'm most excited for is the uh, the Mandalorian Season 2. Nice. Good pick. Um, mainly because of what I said before about, obviously, if they're looking for Jedi, it could go, like, any, any way. So, right. So, my first thoughts were, like, Luke Skywalker... But if those casting articles are to be believed, maybe he finds a different force user first. Right, right. In Ahsoka, um, so so for me, that's that's really exciting. And I, I don't know, it's sort of obviously there's been sort of reported issues sort of with the Kenobi series, which have made us not so much not wanted, but a little bit hesitant. Maybe is the correct word. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that I think I think maybe if that hadn't happened, it might be Kenobi. Yeah, because I'm excited for both quite a lot, but like because of what I've heard, sort of about the Kenobi project, maybe having a few small issues. Right. We obviously with Mandalorian, we've heard no such thing. And True. Favreau, Favreau, Dave, and Kathleen Kennedy are joined at the hip, do you know what I mean? And yeah, are doing press together and laughing. Um, so for me, it's that, but for that only for that reason, because I say Kenobi excuses excite me just because I think we'd learn a lot about like like a lot of sort of force knowledge. Right. I think it would be like we would talk a lot about the force. And I think that would be really cool to find out more about the force from, from Obi-Wan himself. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I probably wouldn't be wanting him to fight that much. I mean, if he did, brilliant. But for me, just giving us all that force knowledge would just be awesome in a Kenobi series. I agree. 
I agree. But um, I mean, how how do you feel about some of the sort of rumblings that have come from the production? I try to actively avoid them. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, especially anything like before something comes out, like I'm that person that just like plugs my ears just because it all it's going to do is either get me riled up or disappointed or something and then it's not going to change it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I ca- that's why like for years and years and years, everyone was like, did you hear there's a rumor Kenobi series? I was like, nope. I didn't hear anything like until StarWars.com and Ewan McGregor and Disney all at once say we're making a Kenobi series. I'm not going to believe it. Um, so even like a month or two before it was announced, when they're like, no, this is real, this is real. I'm like, nope, no, it is not. Because <laughs> uh, I get very excited about things, so I got to choose when to when to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I try to not because to me personally, um, I know people disagree, but... With me, it doesn't really do any good, you know, knowing any of that stuff, because it's like, yeah. all right, well, if there's if there's stuff wrong with the production, like, I mean, it's none of my business, <laughs> you know. Me, I'm like, just make sure that whatever you put out is good, and I don't care how you got there, you know. Like, I really loved Solo, I did, I loved it a lot, but that one, they straight up fired the directors halfway through and then rewrote a lot of the movie, you know. Like Rogue One apparently had a similar thing where they had to rewrite a lot of it. Me, I'm like. I don't care about any of that stuff because the movies we got were really, really good. So I'm like, all right, I'll wait. I'll wait. Um, so I don't really follow it, me personally. But yeah, we'll it's see. quite strange. If you go with Rogue One, obviously, like, there was obviously some issues with that. Yep. And obviously, I get the impression, obviously, Garth Edwards was sort of played ball with that. Yep. And then, therefore... Obviously, there wasn't a lot of rumblings, and the rumblings come out after. Mm-hmm. We get a really, we got a really, really good movie, and sort of not hardly any damage done. Right. Where with Solo, obviously, like the fire the director is so close to the end of principal photography being finished. Yep. And then you've had to pay them off, and I'm sure they got like close to ten million dollars each. You know. Right. Like obviously, it's non-disclosure. Like they kind of talk about it. Yep. So obviously something must have been seriously up with, with that, and um, obviously I I enjoyed so I I felt so was problems it wasn't marketed properly. Sure, yeah, I totally agree with that. Putting it up against Avengers and like you know five months after the last Star Wars movie, I'm with you. Yeah, and I, I just thought marketing came too late as well. I thought like the actual yep. the quality the quality of the marketing was just a bit not like when you look at the marketing Force Awakens. Yep. That's a masterclass in marketing, and then yep. and then it's, and then I don't know how the same company can go from that to do what they did for Solo. Yeah. Um, for Solo, here's something. So I, I watched Solo recently on on Disney Plus. Yeah. So when I watched Solo, I saw that four times in the theaters as well. Uh, I enjoyed it. I found in times in the theaters that like things were like very very dark. Like I, I, could, I could hardly make things out. Hmm. Um, especially when you think about how much like these creature designers and prop designers and costume designers put into these costumes, okay, and these details. Right. Because the, the details are there. And I really struggle to see. And, like, what I know, I used to work in a cinema, so, like, obviously in the UK, and I'm sure it's the same, like, big chains in America. Yep. So, like, for, for, like, the 3D the 3D cinemas have, they put these, they're called Z screens, and they put them across, or, like, Z screens, if you're wearing, put yep. those across the front of the projector. Mm-hmm. So, but those are, like, tinted, Right. So I think that, like, when, and obviously, if you know, I haven't got a 3D movie in, 
Like, is someone going to go and pull the Z screen out of the way? Like, should they? Yes. Do they? Probably not, because, like, projectionists don't really exist now in modern cinema. Right. In art house cinema, they do, but, like, it's all digital now. So, like, someone programs the projector for its daily run, and then it, it does it. If something breaks, yes, someone will go and have a look at it. But if it doesn't, then it'll get left. So, for me, in Solar, all things that are really dark. I thought, oh, yeah, it's quite dark. Like, and I'm like, there's no way that's been lit that way. And then I say I watch it on Disney Plus, like on our home, our home television. And those scenes, obviously, the the, the dark scenes because I film in dark places, like the subac scene and things like that, yep. and like in the in the war scene. When I watch it at home, like obviously it was still dark, but it was bright. I could see what was going on. Right. I could see the detail. So like I feel like the cinemas weren't set up for Solo to be obviously a darker looking movie. It, it wasn't. The cinemas weren't set up to like enhance that. Does that make sense? Right. So again, I, th- I think if people have gone in and seen that, they probably thought, "I can't really see what's going on." Like, if you take if you take the beginning when when Solo faces um, what's what's the lady uh, Proxima, Lady Proxima? Yep. Like watching at home, I could like see all of our tentacles. I could see like all the details. Where I remember in cinema, I think like a, it just looks like a big worm. Like I can't really tell what's like. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. So I see like maybe the cinemas weren't set up either for like for the lighting of that where at home I could see a lot more stuff huh. like and that and that should never be the case you should never get a better viewing experience at home than you do in the cinema right um, but but I, I found that so maybe if that was an issue with many cinema chains then then, then people have seen it and, and that's played a part in them not enjoying it as much and then obviously they haven't gone back for repeat viewings as much and then right yeah you never know that that affects the box office. Like I said, I watch it at home, and like I honestly do believe that like I could see it, I could see things better on my home television. It was lighter than it than it was in in the cinema. Right, and I think also Solo was a victim of people, you know, being way into the the behind the scenes rumors and hearing all that stuff. So like, oh, it's it's on fire. Well, I'm not going to watch it because of that. Like, I just don't think it does any good, really. Yeah, but no, no, to definitely. each their own. <laughs> now, my last question. Uh, kind of piggybacking off of that is if you personally could greenlight a future Star Wars project, what would you want it to be? If it could be anything. Ooh. So what I really want is like I want like a full, a full volume or volumes. You can even do it as like a Bible mm-hmm. uh, of like of Luke Skywalker's adventures after Return of the Jedi. Ooh, good one. I, I wanna I wanna know where he goes, what he finds, why he finds it, what is the past of it. I wanna I wanna find out what he learns about the Jedi of pasts, what he learns about the Sith of the past. Um when does he finally decide to open his school? How does he choose the children who are gonna learn? Um how does he react when Mon Mothma suddenly wants nothing to do with him? Right, right. When he's when he's given so much for that cause. And he's the reason why they've won. That's a good point. Good point. I'm sorry, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't turn Vader back the good side, they don't win. Right, right. That is a great point. Yeah, you want the rest of Luke Skywalker's story? So I want to, yeah, because there's so much we don't know. Like, like, right. Like, you must be hurt when 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 the New Republic turned the back on him. Right, because that, that that's documented in aftermath, I believe the trilogy, the aftermath trilogy. Yep, that sort of the new republic sort of demilitarize, and, and that obviously pisses off like Han and Lando a little bit, but also like the fact that they're like, oh, like that crazy Jedi who has powers, like we don't want that in our politics system, and it's like, right, well, 
but he's given so much for you to sort of turn your back on him like that. Yeah, you're right. And, and like, also want to see how like how Leah deals with that. Yeah, true, true. She's like in the thick so, of it. Yeah. So and it's almost like I don't know. It's, it sort of ties in with like, obviously, was Leia going to be a Jedi when they were aftermath? Maybe not. But right. like, obviously, she's very much becomes like that senator and stays away from the from the Jedi path. And obviously, we learn in Rise Scout that's because she sees the death of her son at the end of it. Yeah. Um, which which happens anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, <that's> uh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. Um, yeah. Let's not talk about Chris, not about Chris Terrio. <laughs> um, right. But um. But yeah, so like, but like, obviously, the fact that like, the fact that she would sort of, I don't know, she obviously loves her brother, but obviously in that instance, she must back the New Republic decision and get on board with it. Right. Um, and I wonder how they go about it, telling Luke and all this sneaky about it. Yeah, who knows? But right on. So, so, so there's like quite a lot of stuff. So I think I'd want that, and that, and. I probably wouldn't want it as a movie. Right, right. Or a TV show. To be, I'd rather have it as, like, to be fair, I don't mind a run of, like, like an ongoing comic run. Sure. Like, sure. going on for years, telling me a different... Just think there's, there's 36 years of story to tell. That's true. So... It's a lot of room. So a lot of room, and you can just start at the beginning and go. I think it would be awesome as a comic book. Um... I think some of the visuals you get are these crazy temples and crazy planets and sort of that type of thing. And then obviously you'd, you'd sprinkle in the New Republic because that would be going on at the same time. The build up of that, yeah. So so you get that storyline tied in. Like I think it would be really really cool. Obviously you probably get some more Lars Van Tegger in there. Yeah. Uh, like when when does Luke meet him and how do they become friends? Um. Obviously, the growing up with Ben Solo, man, does he join Luke? Like, I think you'd have a lot of storytelling potential in that, mm-hmm. and you, you could you could run it for like an ongoing comic for like a long, long time. Yeah, I'm into it. I'd read it. What would yours be? Mine actually would be kind of what we're getting later this year. Um, I want to see old Republic stuff. I want to see what it was like when the Jedi were formed. What were the threats back then? Like, I want to see the Sith of a millennia ago. You know what I mean? Like, the answer to the Sith being the Jedi and vice versa, like, I want to see what that's like. I want to see the Mandalorian Wars, really. If I could pick anything, I'd want either uh, the year that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan were on the run with Satine or the Mandalorian Wars. I just think that'd be so cool. Like, given what we know, that the Mandalorians basically just, like, started attacking planets because they could and it took the Jedi to stop them. Like, I want to see that. That'd be that'd yeah. be my thing, but I'd want it that'd as like awesome. a I'd want it as a series, like ten twenty episodes, couple seasons, you know, really get into as a, it. As live action as animation. Yeah, I'd want live action because I want to like. I, there's just something about seeing like maybe it's the childhood side of it, maybe it's something else, but something about seeing a live action lightsaber on screen just makes me so happy. Yeah, definitely. Not even the lightsaber for me, like Mandalorian, like when you when you see IG Eleven. Yeah, right. And it's and it's like, well, that's like that's 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 IG. It's not IG, but it's like that. That's that's an IG droid. Yeah, exactly. Like, like right there, the built one. It's it's right there, type of thing. It's, exactly. Um, really, or when you see the astromech taxi drivers, like that. That's an astromech yeah. <laughs> right there. Exactly. 
Yeah, more of that. Yeah. More of that. No, that's really cool. Um, well, that brings it end to our five questions each. We uh, did Brian, it. Thank, thank you very much for coming on the first Knowing Me, Knowing You. Aha. Aha. Uh, you were a great guest. Thanks for coming on. Um, stop it. Anytime. Anytime. So just um, obviously you podcast uh, quite a bit with a couple of cool podcasts. Um, do you want to talk to us about uh, the Doggy Diva show first? Tell sure. us all about that and where people can find it as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very very lucky and grateful to be uh, a co-host on the Dorky Diva show with uh, Savannah Odit. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world, and uh, we have a show together where we just pretty much argue about <laughs> about stuff. Um, we recently have been covering up the arcs of um of the Clone Wars that have been dropping on Disney Plus. Those have been really fun. Um, yeah, so we go on there. It's a, it's a good time. We did a series called the Prequel Defense Force. If anyone out there likes the prequels, we did a whole big thing where we really broke down, like, almost shot for shot, the movies and how much we love them. It's super fun. You can find those pretty much everywhere. iTunes, all the other podcast places, it's there. The Dorky Diva Show, Savannah owed it. She's amazing. The show's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it's different. It's different from other Star Wars podcasts, that's for sure. But I think you'll dig it. So I've actually got... Um... <clears throat> The prequel defense force T-shirt. Yeah, there you go. That's so Look, awesome. I actually, I actually got the one with the with the Star Wars logo on it before Ooh. now it got taken down. Yeah, you got the first edition. I got the first edition. Yeah, so I've still got. I don't know where it is. But I think it's on my house. There you go. But, it counts. It counts. I'll give but, it to no, you. Oh yeah, so I've got to. I'll have to dig that out for next time. Yeah. The celebration. There you go. So, yeah. And then also you also have your sort of solo podcast, uh, The Interesting Podcast. I do, yeah. I have my own show called The Interesting Podcast. It's a, it's kind of my baby. It's my, my passion project. I've been at it for a long time now, um, where it's a, it's just me talking to somebody who I find interesting. Um, there's over 115 episodes out. 117, I think, was the last one. Uh, if you guys are looking for time, ways to pass time during the quarantine, um, being that this is a Star Wars podcast, I've had a bunch of Star Wars guests on. Uh, most recently, Ahmed Best and Vanessa Marshall. I also have a bunch of other people that are like creature performers and stuff. The most recent episode to kind of date this show was Brian Sipe, who was the head of the makeup department for The Mandalorian. Um, I had Misty Rosas on. She played Queel. She's the woman in the suit uh, that we see in The Mandalorian. And it's a good time. It's a good time. It's a, it's a show dedicated to people. Um, they're not all famous. They're not all actors. They're just people that I find interesting, and it's... It's getting to know the people behind the things that you like a lot of the times. So check it out. If you like it, let me know. That's uh, that's everywhere. Facebook, or, uh, not Facebook, um, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that good stuff. You can find it. Just search my name, Brian Balance, and you'll find it. It's Balance with two L's. I think one of my favorite episodes of the interesting podcast was the one you did with Claudia Greer. Yeah, I had Claudia on a while ago. Yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. She's so nice. So nice. Yeah, Claudia's and the, great. And for the listeners, listen, Claudia Gray has wrote some awesome Star Wars novels in the new canon, starting yeah. with um, Lost Stars, uh, which is like a YA book, but it, it's absolutely phenomenal and sort of follows sort of two yeah. sort of Star-Cost lovers almost through the original trilogy. Yeah, um, I love and Lost Stars. And it's done brilliantly. And sort of off the back of that, she then got a lot more Star Wars writing. She did. She's my favorite um, Star Wars author. Uh, but she deserves it, yeah, because the books she's done are brilliant. They are. They are. Um, 
Same. Have you got any other projects in the in the works, Brian? Obviously, I know that you are a voice performer and also a actor. Yeah, I, I've got a lot of stuff up in the air. A lot of things I did uh, last year that are supposed to come out this year, as is the nature of things. Uh, I'm currently in a uh, in an audio drama that's on YouTube, iTunes as well, called uh, "The World of Tomorrow: Murder in Progress," and it's it's about like um, if Epcot was like a real place, and there's a lot of Disney theme park Easter eggs. If you're into that, uh, I got to play the lead in that, and that's really fun. That's on YouTube as well. Uh, always juggling, always doing a ton of projects. There's a there's a lot in the works. There's a lot in the works. I'm excited to share with everybody. Well, I'm excited to hear what's going on, Brian. Obviously. Obviously, we've only sort of hung out two weekends in our eyes, but no, but like I said, they were great, obviously. Yeah, it feels um, like more. It feels like we've spent way more time than that. It definitely does, but I think there'll be, there'll be a lot more time. Yeah, of um, course. Obviously, I myself, I'm, I'm not going to Star Wars Celebration on a Heim. Right. Uh, well, hey, who also, knows what the future holds? <laughs> yeah, Maybe. I mean, I, I really do. I really do hope it goes ahead. Just for everybody who's excited to go, I think it'll get everybody's mind off. Obviously, we'll be on the back end of the virus by that point. So I really just hope it goes ahead. But yep. if it if it can't, it can't. Yeah. You know I mean, we'll but see. It just just means the next one will be even bigger, won't it? Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. But uh, thanks very much for joining me, Brian. Um, of anybody anytime. who's sort anybody who's sort of fans of the podcast can follow the podcast on Twitter at. Bores Star. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Star Wars Podcast. And if you've got any questions, you can email them in to Star Wars Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me, Peter, on social media at Pete Hitman Heart. Uh, excuse me, favorite wrestler. Nice. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Brian. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, again, any listeners out there, if you're looking for something to listen to, as Brian said, like the interesting podcast like is absolutely brilliant. Um, Thank you. And that's Obviously, Brian gets a lot of um, obviously very high caliber guests on, especially in the within the Star Wars universe and also sort of filmmaking sort of universe. A lot of high caliber guests on and gets really great sort of human level interviews out of them. Um, but I mean, that as a compliment, like yeah, thank Brian you. really comes across like these guys are having some drinks in a pub and they, <laughs> they're having a friendly conversation. It's it's not it's not like. Great. A, a journalist who's got two minutes with someone trying to get questions at a at a, at a press junket. Yeah. It's, it's very it's very it's very personal and very human. And that's what I love about it. But also Brian interviews some people who maybe like aren't celebrities. So like one of my favorite interviews Brian did, uh, apart from Cody Gray, who was, obviously is a professional author, mm-hmm. is um, Daniel Berry, um, who's yeah. obviously one, one one half of uh, the Force cast. Um, there's a lot of good stuff over there. Um, Daniel. Daniel's great, yeah, and like I said, but you guys just talking was absolutely sort of absolutely awesome dialogue, almost Tarantino West dialogue. Um, <laughs> that was that was lovely and this chat. Um, so yeah, like it's worth checking out Brian's podcast because even if it's people you don't know, uh, as the whole point is, you, you're going to get to know them, and it's, it's int- really interesting, really intriguing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's a, I always describe it. It's not an interview; it's a chat. And when you listen to it, you'll you'll understand. <laughs> definitely well thanks for coming on brian and thanks all the listeners for listening may the force be with you and godspeed rebels